Alright, here we go. One, two. One, two, three, four. Welcome to Reach Arts. We are a community arts organization in Swampscott, Massachusetts. In this first series, we are asking six local artists 20 questions. These questions range from how do you procrastinate to what would you do with an imaginary friend? Keep listening to get to know a few artists and how they think about art, life, stuff. Michael Agahoa is a Lynn-based artist. His paintings and artwork reflect the people around him. These people emerge from his work as portraits and references for illustrations. Michael graduated from Montserrat College of Art with a BFA in illustration. He is currently an MFA candidate at Massachusetts College of Art and Design. In 2019, Michael had solo exhibits at Google in Cambridge and Gas Gallery in Lynn. You can see his latest mural at Ernie's Harvest Time in Lynn, Massachusetts. Currently, Michael teaches drawing at Montserrat College of Art. Let's listen. Hi, I'm here today with Michael Agahoa in his studio. Pretty cool here in the Lydia Pinkham building. And we've got a big canvas, but everybody's sideways. And oh, another big canvas, and he's upright just staring at me. Michael, how are you? I'm great, Agatha. How are you doing? I'm all right, too. <laughs> so I got some questions for you. Are you interested in answering? Yes, let's go. Okay, let's go. So these are 20 questions. We'll start with art, and then we'll move on to life stuff and just a bit of fun. All right, sounds Okey great. Dokey. So what did you want to be when you were growing up? When I was growing up, I wanted to be a bunch of things, but I think the first thing was a construction worker because my grandfather owned a construction company and um, passed it on to my uncle, and I thought I was next in line. But I soon figured out, you know, I wanted to be other things. Anything else other than the construction worker? Construction worker, I wanted to be a basketball player. I wanted to be a, I wanted to be a firefighter. Um, because I thought like the fire engines were super cool. Do you remember the yellow fire trucks? Have you ever seen a yellow one? No. I used to think they were so cool. Um, yeah, I wanted to be a firefighter and then I always was creative and I wanted to be an artist as well. And you knew from an early age? From a very early age, yeah. Okay, so what was the first piece of art that you ever made that you can remember? The first piece of art that I made that I can remember, I was in kindergarten and I was really excited to make a lemon tree. Um, and the, the problem was I didn't know how to make the lemon tree stand, right? I was cutting out a trunk, so a brown piece of paper. And I was like, well, how do I make this stand, right? Because I just cut out a strip. And I didn't know how I was supposed to make it stand. Um, but eventually my teacher helped me out. I was able to make a stand. I put like a strip of paper for the leaves and I would like hung some lemons from it. Nothing was three dimensional. It was all just like strips of paper. But that's all I could wrap my mind around is in kindergarten. A lemon tree. A lemon tree, yeah. Love lemons. <laughs> <laughs> and had you ever seen a lemon tree? No. Just from your imagination? Just from my imagination, yeah. Yeah. It, it looked more like a palm tree with lemons on it. That's what I envisioned. Yeah. Um, I still don't think I know what a lemon tree <laughs> looks like. 
Now, do you have a favorite piece of artwork by someone else? Yeah, I I have. Um, so the painting is by Archibald Motley. He's a jazz age modernist, and he has a painting called Cocktails, and it's a painting of um, of women drinking, having cocktails during Prohibition. Um, and it's in the MFA, isn't it's it? It's in the MFA, yeah. And when was the first time you saw that? I saw it in college. Um, when I was really trying to figure out painting and who I was inspired by, I, I was originally looking at a painting um, by Ernie Barnes. And on Google, it was just showing artists that were related to him. And a painting by Archibald Motley came up, and I was like, this is beautiful. And then from then on, I was just doing research and figured out about him. And that's my favorite painter now. Yeah. Yeah. And so the next question is, where do you find inspiration? And one of your one of the things that inspires you is his paintings, Archibald's. Yeah, definitely. Um, things that inspire me. My family inspires me. I think um, uh, my so my grandmother has a box of family pictures under her bed, um, and in my family, it's tradition to have like a bunch of family pictures all around the house. Um, of just like generations of people, my uncles, their kids, like, but under my grandmother's bed, there's a, a box of pictures with like hundreds and hundreds of family photos, even from like before I was born. So just kind of seeing that family history and where I come from, um, that really inspires me because it, it reminds me of like where I gotta go. Um, and so I think like the past and the future inspire me. In, in envisioning a better future for my kids and for uh, like the world. When you start a new piece, how do you begin? I start a new piece uh, completely open-minded. I usually start like abstractly, so I'll put a bunch of shapes and colors down um, that I think I like. I soon begin to not like it and I try to disrupt it by adding an element that is completely um, like foreign to the way I would normally work. And I just keep working and eventually, I'm not an abstract artist, like solely abstract. My, I'm an illustrator at heart, so I, I tend to see things in those marks and um, I'm able to extract a, a, an image from there. And a lot of your stuff is big now. Yeah. Well, I know this isn't one of the questions, yeah. but I just want to know what happened. How did you go big? Um, well, in, in college, my teacher was always like, go bigger, go bigger. But I never felt like I I knew how. Um, what, uh, I never felt like I knew how. I started getting mural commissions and, um, and painting on murals big. I was like, well, this is like not as hard as I thought. Um, and then in my studio, I was just thinking that for the work that I'm making now, it was necessary to go big to make the statements that I'm trying to make. Um, because for the viewer, when you're standing in front of a larger painting with like a person who's either the same size as you or a little bit bigger, there's a, a different relationship with that painting. It's almost like um, like the like the image is being imposed upon you, and you you have to you have to interact with it in a certain way. So I'm trying to embody that type of reaction. That's so true. Right? Yeah. Is there something special you wear when you work? When I work? Well, 
um, I work in the kitchen, so I wear an apron there <laughs> and a hairnet. Um, when I'm a professor, I wear clothes that I wouldn't be upset if they got dirty because I'm teaching drawing. So if we're using charcoal, you know, that gets messy. So I'm wearing some clothes that I wouldn't care. In the studio, I'm wearing ripped clothes, clothes that I should throw away, but I can just get paint on them. You know, I can still use them for something. So I, I got a bunch of different clothes for a bunch of different occasions. All messy. All messy, yeah, <laughs> really. <laughs> Always prepared. And what about music? What do you play when you're, just when you're making art? But tell me about what you listen to in the kitchen, too. Oh, um, I, I actually listen to the same thing, but for two different reasons. In the kitchen, that's a job that I really don't like. So I'm listening to, like, like hip-hop, which tends to be, like, pretty, like, angry. Um, so, like, that helps me get through it. It's like, a, yeah, like a release of energy through, like, me reciting the words. And I'm just getting through it. I'm just plowing through the work. Um, and then in the studio, the work that I'm making now um, is pretty, like, um, I think it's fueled by a type of anger as well and frustration. And so the music that I listen to, um, they're talking about similar themes. And so I'm just kind of, like, channeling that energy into something more positive. Okay. Yeah. But recently I've been listening to um, music um from a from a time in from a time in music when like before hip hop um and the music that inspired hip hop so a lot of like um like Aretha Franklin or like um just like music from that time like a lot of like early R&B okay. um, yeah and what about procrastinating what do you do when you procrastinate when i procrastinate i like to take naps a lot so i'll take a good nap um, thinking back on inspiration, some of my some of my ideas also come from dreams or things that I've thought. So I take a lot of naps because um, my dreams are pretty vivid. Um, and I'm on YouTube, like watching people speak. I like I like to watch interviews a lot, and um, in podcasts. Okay. And when did you start calling yourself an artist? I started calling myself an artist when I was con when I when I found my own style of creating. So when I when I first started drawing and being creative, I was watching a lot of cartoons and I would like copy like I, I would start tracing things and um, just looking at things and drawing them. Um, and then eventually, like I started straying away from looking at things and drawing them, and I was able to draw my own things. So I started drawing my own characters. I was looking at my friends and drawing them, and um, I, I started to create a, a style that I can call my own that was unique. And I think that's when I started calling myself an artist. And you still call yourself an artist? Still call myself an artist. How I'm does actually, that feel? It feels great. I think um, like 10-year-old me is extremely happy of the person that I've become. Uh, yeah, I think I think if I was ten and I was looking at myself, I would think I was extremely cool, and that makes me really happy. That is cool. Yeah, that's nice. How often do you talk to other artists? I talk to other artists every day. Um, most of my friends are artists. My partner is an artist. She's an amazing photographer, so um, it's always nice to talk to her about things. She doesn't quite understand painting. It's a different language, but um, uh, 
compositionally she understands, right? Because it's working in photography. Um, I talked to the people I went to college with and um, all my colleagues. And um, when, I'm, when I'm a professor, I'm talking to the students who are artists and I'm talking to my colleagues who are like older people who have seen different, uh, different art movements. So they have a different uh, wisdom that I can learn from, which is cool. How do you know when you're done with a piece of work? I so there's two there's two things that determine that for me. When one of them is when I'm proud of it, and and another thing that determines when I'm done is if I don't know if it's done. Like if it can go either way, you know. If it if I'm feeling like like uh, yeah, when I'm just kind of like stuck on it, but not stuck like this can be better. But like when I'm like. I don't know if my next move will destroy this painting or make it work. Like, it kind of works as it is. Um, so sometimes I think, like, when it's on that stage, I think it's even better because it's, like, like a friction that's happening visually. Like, like um, yeah, like, it's just like a debate. Like, is this done or is it not done? But, like, in a good way. Sometimes you can tell when a piece is completely not done. And sometimes it's, like, this is, like, like brilliant almost. It's, like... It, I don't know. Is there ever a time when you think, I want to go back to that painting after you say it's done? All the time. Yeah, because I think a painting can always be pushed further. Um, but sometimes it's best to just leave the painting as it is and start a whole new one because everything that you wanted to fix on that painting will be fixed on the next one. You just got to keep going and not really worry about perfection. That's what I've learned. And what are you working on at the moment? Or more than one thing, probably. Yeah, a whole bunch of things. At, at the moment, I'm working on a few murals. Um, I'm in the sketch phase. Um, and where are these going to be? Uh, one of them is going to be at a dispensary that opened up in Lynn, hopefully. And then another one is going to be um, on, a, on a small Dominican restaurant called Di Caribe, um, and also in Lynn. And um, in the studio, I'm working on a sculpture. It's got a bunch of poker chips um, with glass on them. And so hopefully when they're all together, they're going to shine like a disco ball in a dark room. Um, and I'm trying to make 500 of those. I'm working on a few of my own paintings. Um, I'm working on a few paintings that could be pushed more. Um, and uh, yeah, a painting that goes along with the poker chips because it's got poker chips in it. And that's a painting that I'm most excited about at the moment. And how long have you been working on it? It's been a year now, actually, a year and, and a few weeks. So. And yeah. done? Friction done? Oh, it's it's almost done. Um, no friction. I think um, I it can just be pushed to a to a level that um, that I haven't. I'm. It's it's a challenge for myself, but it's also like um, visually. It needs to be pushed so that it, it can be different and, and not be like the same painting that we've always seen. Um, yeah. Okay. Uh, we're going to move away from art for yeah. a moment and just tell me what scares you. Uh, something, I think the only thing that really scares me is death. Um, even though it shouldn't because it's so natural, I just think um, there's so many things that could happen after death. Um, and you can only find out when it happens. And 
Yeah. We'll, we'll move on from that yeah, one. Yeah. <laughs> What's the best piece of advice you were ever given? The best piece of advice I was given was by my mom. And she said that, um, she said, I'm trying to figure out the words. It was, it was something along the lines of. Um, this isn't going to be as eloquent as she said it, but it's basically like like you're in control of your own life. Um, so that that taught me that you know, you can always like blame somebody for something, but at the end of the day, like, like I'm in complete control of my life. Uh, so I can take that however I want, take it wherever I go, you know. Whatever I want to be, I can make that happen. I just got to apply myself. And it's really up to me to do that, nobody else. It's basically it. Yeah. And so ever since then, I feel like I've been flourishing as like a, as a functioning adult, you know. Um, and do you remember how long ago she told you that? She's been telling me that all my life, I think in different ways, though. Mm -hmm. um, but in recent years, it was just more blunt. Yeah. You know, I think that's something people always have to hear, though. Yes. Just, just as a reminder, because, you know, we get kind of punks. Okay, your plane just landed. Where are you? Ooh, my plane just landed. I'm somewhere where it doesn't snow ever. That's, that's about it. Somewhere where I can um, have plants and they can stay alive year long. Yeah. That sounds nice. It does, yeah. yeah. And you can spend a lot of time outside. Yeah. Yeah, I love that. I love warm weather. Um, it just makes me feel good. And, you know, got my legs showing, my toes out. Yeah. Walk around barefoot. It's great. That's where I am. That's a lot of places in the world, though. Also somewhere where there's no natural disasters. I know that's hard because <laughs> climate change and stuff, but it's, you know, there's pockets of that. Mm. <laughs> Now, what makes you lose track of time? What makes me lose track of time is being invested in my craft. Because sometimes I feel like there's not enough time. And um, when I'm painting, it just kind of flies. Yeah. Because, you know, I'm, I'm not focused on anything else but my painting. So I, I come in at 12, I'm painting. And then, you know, by the time I, like, get out of this trance of being focused on my artwork, it's, like, six. Like, so many hours have passed. And I think that's what, what makes me lose track of time. I think that's a good thing, though. It sounds like you really like it. It's a good escape, yeah. yeah. It's, like, very therapeutic. Very fun. It's, it's, it's a lot of things. Fun is only one of the words, but it can also be not fun, you know, <laughs> how art can be. And how old would, we, would you be if you didn't know how old you are? I would be, I'd probably be like 70. Yeah. Seven zero. Yeah, seven zero. Around, around that age, because um, it just, it, it feels like, like so long, you know? I don't even, I can't remember when I was born, 
I don't think no one can. So it's just like, who knows how long I've been alive for. Yeah. I think that's the only thing that bases um, that thought. Is that I can't remember when I was born, so who knows how long I've been alive. <laughs> yeah. Oh, we're getting philosophical here. You know? It's right. And what? When, when was the last time you listened to your own breathing? This morning, actually, because one of my nostrils was clogged. And so I was in the shower, like, really trying to breathe heavy. Um, I, I blocked the nose that I could breathe out of, and I was just breathing heavily in the shower, a really steamy shower to get it unclogged. And, you know, of course, it's, like, struggling, so it's making that loud breathing noise. <laughs> uh, yeah, that's the last time. <laughs> and what is it that you're never without? I'm never without my phone. <laughs> um, everything's in my phone. All the people that I love, um, a whole lot of inspiration, a whole lot of information on the fly. Um, the whole world is in there. I can go anywhere and my phone will tell me where to go and how to get there. The fastest way is how to avoid traffic, you know? Um, that's an important tool. When I've lost that phone sometimes and I feel lost. You know, it's crazy because when I was younger, before like phones are really like a big thing, I was able to remember so many numbers and so many things. And now when I lose my phone, I'm like, I don't even know this person's number. What would I do if I didn't have a phone? So I always have that on me because um, just for like safety purposes at this point. If I'm, if I'm ever in an emergency, my phone is the thing that I go to. You might forget who you are without your phone. <laughs> yeah, you know. Actually, no, not, not who I am. I'm more quick to figure out who other people are. <laughs> now, if you had an imaginary friend, what would you do? What would you two do together? If I had an imaginary friend, we'd do everything together because it's imaginary. You know, even your best friends don't like to do everything that you do. Um, or maybe I've just never had a real best friend. You know, I, I know. If I had an imaginary friend, they'd go everywhere with me and do everything that I'd like to do because they'd also like to do it because I created them. And it would just be the best time ever. They'd laugh at all my jokes, even the ones that are not good, just to make me feel good, you know? We'd just be ridiculous together. And is there a question that I didn't ask that you wanted me to ask? I don't think so. You asked some pretty good questions. Yeah? Questions I, I don't really ever think about. Like, when's the last time I was breathing? I, I don't even really think about that. But it was definitely when I was in the shower this morning. <laughs> <laughs> and that's my final question. And so the only thing I have to ask you is, do you have a final statement? Do you have something you want to say to all those people out there in the world listening to you? Um... Uh, Live your truth and, um, you know, be happy to be you because you're a one of one. And that's a beautiful thing. Michael Agahoa, thank you so much. And I'll be talking to you again soon. We're talking to you. <laughs>
Thanks for listening. Stop by again. <laughs>